Hi guys, Tom from Stonewolf here. We're a UK-based fitness apparel brand who sponsor the Shire Fit team. We'll be releasing our brand new performance t-shirts on the 31st of August 2023 and they'll be available in teal and blue. They're performance-based because they're sweat-wicking and antibacterial. You can find these on our website, stonewolffitness.com and use the code SHIREFIT for 10% off. Yo. Oh, hello. We are back, guys, and you have the regular team the regular the podcast after uh, what feels no, like too long yeah after uh, jack's brief uh, encounter with the podcast all of the chat about kfc we now have johnny back we can talk some sense <laughs> we can talk about taco bell <laughs> so uh, today guys we have a listener question uh, which is about catching heavy cleans um, in a squat we've got a strength section which is um about how to get good form uh, when lifting heavy weights. And then the workout is simplifying human movement. So trying to uh, really break down the key parts of human movement and give you guys an understanding of what we're looking for when we're coaching. Yeah. Um, quite a technical class, quite a heavy, uh, sorry, technical podcast, quite a heavy podcast in terms of uh, coaching and movement in this one. So it should be interesting. Looking forward to uh, getting stuck into it. The, um, we are in week six of the movement cycle, two weeks to go, um, might do a little deload with a, I don't know, something different, maybe just a full nutrition one or maybe a question and answer. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next series I am excited to announce is going to be business. Oh, right. Yes. Business. Yes. Okay. Themed on the business. Yeah. As in like on shy of it, the business. Yeah, a bit, but like anything that has any relevance to either business, business owners, oh, cool. how business, running a business is related to training, help with training, you know, all those things about ShireFit, its progression, what's going to happen in the future, all the different things like that. Cool. Exciting. Yeah, look at that. You, right. You guys found out at the same time I did. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Excited. Well, there's a lot of, th- yeah, like as, as a You're a small owner, business owner? Yeah. I'm a small business owner. You can definitely talk but about like, it yeah. a fair amount, yeah. Plenty uh, to talk about. Yeah. So on to our warm-up then, guys, which is the question from uh, our listeners. This week's question is from Levi, who's a Shire Fit North Leeds member. And Levi's crushing at the moment. He's just joined and he's doing really well. Levi asks, how do you build confidence catching a heavy weight in a squat clean? And I assume that implied is that he, when he goes heavy, he, usually, he powers. Uh, um, rather than just failing it. Yes, okay. I believe so. Um, so, yeah, Johnny... Very good lifter, Johnny. What is your max clean? Uh, one forty. One forty, big clean. So we'll go to you on this one, mate. What are your advice on getting into that squat? So I, I have a different issue to Levi in that, like, if I go too heavy with power cleans, I'll start squatting it. So like, my default is to squat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't relate too much in terms of the failure. But I've worked with a lot of people that would then gradually split, split, split. Um, their feet rather than going lower in a squat so if that's the case because i've not seen you lift levi so i can't speak to it but for, for those listening if, if you're going too heavy with a squat clean sorry if you're going too heavy with a power clean and you're splitting then obviously it's it's starting to squat it earlier meaning the old starfish yeah the starfish yeah. but obviously the confidence of catching a heavy weight in a squat you we're going to kind of talk about this as part of the strength piece as well but it's it's drilling that technique at a lower weight so that you're always catching it into that squat. And if you're doing 
because we've talked about this before, you don't just increase your strength by going like for a max every time you do the movement, right? You want to build volume at a good level, like a seven or eight uh, RPE, rate of perceived exertion, is usually a good place to build volume and strength at the same time. And what that means is like it's two or three reps away from failure or it's like eight out of 10 hard. And if you do that with your squat clean and you build up with like an EMOM or like an every two minute on the minute, so on the two minutes so that you've got enough rest, you're going to build that confidence in your squat pattern so much so that it's, uh, it's more natural for you to go into that position when you get heavier. Another thing that I see people do, and, and this might be the case as well, is that people try to rush into the squat position before they've actually moved the bar to their shoulders. And what you see then is the bar crushing them. That's me. They're already in the squat and the bar then like lands on them yeah. or whatever. And you're like, you kind of see it as like two movements. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, that looked painful. Yeah. And, and what I remind people there is ideally with a really, really heavy squat clean, you should still be trying to power clean it. Yeah. Even if you can't power clean it, that needs to be your intention because then you're pulling it off the ground as high as you can. Mm. And even then, if the point of contact with the bar, I don't know why I'm moving because people can't see me. <laughs> even if the point of contact with the bar is above hip, you know, if your hips are above um, the, the crease of the knee, as you catch the bar onto your shoulders, you're then going to ride it into the squat and then stand it up. So if it's more of a case of like the bar crashing down on you and you're worried about your wrists and other things like that, it's, it's focusing on your elbows getting through the bar and pulling the bar up towards your shoulders so that you can squat it comfortably. Even then, if there's like a little bit of a ride into the squat, that's fine. And as it gets heavier and heavier, the two will just meet at the, you know, at the depth of the squat. That's not because you've rushed your squat. You've still pulled it as high as you can. It's just that heavy that you can only pull it that high. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm that exact person. So my power is like, feels like completely different to my squat. Right. So I don't pull my squat clean up as if I'm powering it, if that makes sense. So and I need to. That was the biggest change myself. that I made. Yeah. yeah. And um, with heavy powers to not starfish. Yeah. So that they yeah. basically blend into one. I love a starfish, but this is not good for your technique. No. <laughs> Um, so you don't see it with snatches. That's what I find interesting. Yeah. When people you start to fail power snatches, snatches, you don't starfish no. you physically. Cause I don't think you can get to that position with your it's shoulders. Hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, mainly in the clean, you see that. Yeah. I'm going to go quite granular here, tactical, and just say a few key things that I think might help. So the first one is, um, spend some more time front squatting heavyweights. So if you're confident that you can stand it up, then you're more likely to receive down there. So I'm not sure, Levi, but if you asked yourself, what is your, you know, one hour in front squat, what could you pause front squat? That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then if that's miles, if that's nowhere near your clean, then you probably need to work on your front squat. Yeah. Uh, I would say if it's a technical issue, i.e. your front squat's big and you can pause front squat um, a decent weight, uh, well above your squat clean, uh, well above your clean, then I would go with some tall cleans yeah. to teach you to pull your body down underneath yeah. as primers before you go into your clean work. Um, and then, yeah, the last one is uh, just drilling with a slightly lighter weight and just telling yourself, like, I am not going to uh, power this. And if you do go into a power, you like drop the weight back down yeah. and stick with squat clean until you, you're confident you can squat clean. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people just in general, this is broader than Levi's question. A lot of people struggle with uh, confidence in the bottom squat in general. Yeah. And I think people just need to spend more time there. Like, um, do bounds, do jumps, like bunny hop bounds and things in the squat, hold yeah. squats at the bottom with bands around you to help you do, um, Hatfields right in the bottom, like just get used to that bottom position, spend more time there and, 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 and gradually your confidence to be there will improve. I agree with you because I think because everybody wants to lift as heavy as possible, there's a rush to get there with mm. squats. And I see that with people testing their max squats is that like quite fast, fast down, trying mm. to explode up, that kind of thing. And really you want to take your time there and your one rep max squat, like it doesn't matter. Because if you're, if you're building your squat in order to build your snatch and clean, which yeah. in this sport is the purpose of it really, like yeah. leg strength, fine. Yeah. Total squats rarely get tested you're unless right, you're yeah. at like the very elite level. And even then it's rare. Mm. So you're better off practicing very slow tempo on the way down, in my opinion, because that builds more hamstring strength in the control on the way down. And then pause squats, as you said, can be really, really helpful. And if you can do that then without bouncing back up again as well, that was something, when I trained at a weightlifting gym for a short period of time in London, the guy was like, what are you doing? Because I was bouncing out of every squat. He's like, you're gonna wreck your knees. He's like, yeah, we do that in the clean and snatch, but in the squat to build real strength, he made me go really slow into the bottom, hold, and then stand up without a bounce. Yeah, And, and that really recruits your quads and you're like, Shit, yeah, like I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Yeah, because I was using tendons and elasticity. Before that was where you were coming down and pausing. Yeah, and then you were doing like a little mini, a mini bounce, yeah, yeah to get back up. Yeah, yeah. Where like which it's isn't like, a true pause squat. That's not a true pause squat. Yeah. So if you spend more time getting comfortable in the bottom position, as you said, Max, and even then front squats, you know, let's use full grip on the bar, mm. particularly if we're looking to clean and then jerk. Mm. You know, so you don't have that buff around with a re-grip. You're just going to be in a much better position to have much more confidence. Yeah. Hope that helps, Levi. Um, we haven't got that much um, Olympic volume in or Olympic work in general in the build cycle, so you might be missing squat cleans and not doing them regularly, maybe snatches as well. But that comes up more in the next cycle, beast. So we need to just hang on. And if trust you're front that our, yeah, trust that our raw strength over. is going to help us. Mm. Okay, strength section, which is also related, um, which is... Uh, on the topic of lifting is that the popular fitness concept that lifting weights repeatedly with perfect form is how you get good form on heavy weights. A lot of people believe this to be true. Mm. What do you think, Johnny? I think it's true to an extent. We spoke about it, didn't we, about that weightlifter that never fails. Mm. But you do have to take it to a threshold, I think, mm -hmm. to then push the envelope in terms of your how heavy you go. And so that's why I mentioned the RPE to the answer to Levi's question of like the squat clean, building volume at that RPE that felt tough, but you were able to move with good form. And I think that's a good place to you spend most of your working volume. And then on a week to week basis, if you nudge that weight up a bit or you add a rep or a set or something so that you're adding a bit more volume, you're then going to push that envelope. And so it's like, you're keeping the weight to where you can move perfectly. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like uber light because mm. obviously you've got to think about the stimulus on the muscle. Mm. I think this is related to training age. Yeah, good point. Um, so this, this, the reason that I selected that this week, this week was because um, Amaret 
asked me if uh, she should just be spending, you know, you see these sort of Instagram lads who, uh, not lads, you know, Instagram influencers saying how, you know, I used to spend three hours a week with an empty bar, drilling positions and so on and so forth. And, and she said, do you think that I need to do that in order to get better? And I thought it was quite an interesting concept. Um, and I, I think it has a, a big relation to training age. So if you're new to the lifts, practicing with really lightweight drilling technique is going to help you iron out your errors, technical errors quickly, which is great. So if you're first one to three years of Olympic lifting, cool, go in with an empty bar. And if you want to hammer away for an hour at an empty bar, trying to get good technique, I think brilliant. And that will help you. I think when you get past that three year mark, maybe, and your, your training age is going up and you've done the, the lifts quite a bit, that, that a drill of a lightweight is only good at fixing technical faults if you actually have a technical fault rather than a strength limitation. Yeah. So, for example, me, um, I have a strength limitation, not technical fault. So let's say, for example, in my clean, um, you'll often see me round my upper back. Um, and the only reason that's occurring is not because I've not got good technique. It's because my quads are not strong as my hamstrings and glutes. Mm -hmm. My hips are being pushed back away from the bar so that I can deadlift it basically. Yeah. Yeah. My body realizes that that's happening. Mm -hmm. And then as a result needs to get my hips underneath the bar. And what's the easiest way to get the hips under the bar? Just Put, round. Become forward. a prawn. Yeah. Become a prawn. Exactly. So that is a, a technical fault in that someone could watch it and say, oh, you know, oh. you're doing that technique wrong. Yeah. Pretending you to yeah. get your elbow down. Exactly. Yeah. But, and, and if, help you in that exactly. And if I put 40 kilos on the bar and just did hours and hours of cleans with my elbows up, it would make no difference. That's a good point. So what, what I need to do is actually address, you know, my squat pattern, focus on quad strength, probably on their own in isolation, then mix it back into a squat. So I can do a more squattier squat. Yeah. And that would hope, you know, stop my lower upper back, sorry, from rounding forward when I when I catch a clean or heavy front squat. Yeah. So although it looks like a technical fault, it's actually because of a lack of strength. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I would say, um, you know, it's it's a purposely controversial, you know, uh, thing. Is is yes, it does. It yeah. does work for a lower trainer age, or if you actually have a technical fault, but if you've got a higher training age and it's a strength limitation or strength issue. Another example of that is like in the snatch, you know, in the mid portion of the snatch. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will see the bar coming away from the body in that middle section and go, oh, it's technique. You need to pull the bar in. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the lat strength to sweep that bar into your body yeah, yeah, yeah. at heavy weight, mm -hmm. you're going to do perfect snatches at 60, at 70. Mm -hmm. But then when you put 100 kilo on that bar, that bar's traveling away because you haven't got the lat strength. Well, yeah. you've got to build the lat strength. It's like when you watch someone do a bar muscle up and they chicken wing it, <clears throat> yeah, really lack strength, yeah, rather than technique. And, and just doing banded do. isn't going to help you with no, that. Yeah. not building any strength. Exactly, yeah. And that's a good point. It, it, it comes back to that same piece of finding the threshold because you don't want to then do loads of squat cleans where you're prawning it, no. even though you can lift it. Yeah, you're better off dropping it to where it's challenging enough for you quad wise. Yeah, but you can maintain that upright position and you know, shoulders back, elbows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like when you hear people be like, knees out or like elbows up when they're going to squat and they're like, that's not helping. That just shouting that at someone who's been cleaning for eight years. Just elbows, mate, do you not know your elbows are dropping yeah. off? Like keep them up. If your elbows were up, you'd be fine. Did you not, did you not notice that? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's been that, it's been that way for four years. Yeah. It's like, really? What were they? <laughs> 
Yeah, so yeah, so not always, guys. And just be aware of your Instagram warrior who tells you that they did two hours of barbell work every week and that's what made them good. Just you come know? off Instagram the, and just listen to the Sharper podcast. Probably, well. yeah, that's a good idea. They're probably um, genetic outliers who move bars really well um, because they have good general physical qualities, you know, and that's why their technique holds up at good weights. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, flying through this one, onto the workout then, which is simplifying hu- human movement. Uh, a lot of this stuff comes from a really uh, hot Instagram guy at the moment. I just said beware of the Instagram guys, and now I'm. There's a guy called uh, Angus Bradley, who's like a movement coach, and it comes from the biomechanic community in general. Um, and it's something that I think is a big weakness in CrossFit and, and, and CrossFit coaches' knowledge. So I think it's really important that we address it. And I also think there's a lot of carryover for members in. Uh, knowing yourself as an athlete and how you perform. So if we're going to simplify human movement, it's obviously incredibly complex. We've got squatting, we've got benching, we've got, you know, is it knees out, knees in, elbows up, elbows down, all those different sort of um, things to think about. We're going to try and boil human movement down to essentially two movement patterns. There is only two movement patterns. And that is the same as to whether you're taking a breath, like I just did, or squatting or benching. Uh, the two movement patterns are called different things. Um, let's take, for example, the breath. You've got the inhalation, uh, which could fall under the category of expansion. This is where we breathe air in, our rib cage expands and opens up. Our body in general moves away from its center of mass. Um, and then our exhalation, uh, this is where the rib cage moves down and in and our body in general compresses in towards the center. So you could call it compression. And these are your two movement patterns. And in the bio, depending on what community you're involved in, biomechanics community, would call this yielding and overcoming. So yielding is where you absorb force. Overcoming is where you obviously overcome force. Um, You also get expansion and compression like we talked about. In the running world or sports world, it's called swing. Or stance, swing being when you take a step or a stride, if we're running, um, and the legs coming out and swinging round. Stance being when you land on the floor and you produce force. I'm doing the actions now, even though we're not recording <laughs> video. Uh, and then sort of in the CrossFit world, what I see starting to break in is absorbing and producing. That's when we're talking about force. So... Um, once you, it's like one of them things as a coach, like you'll be thinking now, oh, I can see your head whirring, that, that saying, once you, once you know the way you see it in all things, mm. you can see now how the squat has expansion and compression. Absorbing and producing. Yeah, you can see how the bench has the same, mm-hmm. you can see handstand pushup has the same, you can see walking is the same. It's the same phases. And yes, there are nuances between the phases, but all human movement is the same as breath, which if someone had said that to me two years ago, I'd have been like, you yogi weirdo, leave me alone. Would you not, not say it was similar to just the eccentric and concentric phases of the lift, right? The lowering and then the yeah, you could call it. Yeah, yeah, you could call it that way. Um, and, and yeah, I don't want this to sound hippie, but it literally is all the same movement and mm. has the same properties. So without going too much into biomechanics terms there are groupings so um with expansion you have 
things like supination, that's where we sort of open out a joint or whatever, yet supination at the foot or the hand. Um, with compression, you get pronation, that's where we flatten out the foot or the hand. Um, we've got uh, extension in compression, flexion in expansion, and so on and so, uh, so, on and so forth. I'm not going to go into those too much, but what the ones I want to focus on for the members, which are really important for the members, is your two points of uh, reference. So you've got your centre of mass, which is your belly button, essentially, unless you're combined with a barbell, for mm -hmm. example, in which case your centre of mass might shift and it becomes a combined centre of mass. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got your base of support. Your base of support is usually your hands or your feet, Usually your feet, yeah. more your feet than your hands, but sometimes mm -hmm. your hands. Mm -hmm. But it could be a, a much bigger base of support, let's say, for example, in a bench where you've got your feet, your bum, and your back on the bench. That's a big base of support, right? Yeah. Um, and so if we're looking at what we should be doing, how we should be moving, how humans are designed to move, we have those two points of reference. When we're absorbing force, let's do, um, for the rest of this podcast now, I'm going to stick with, and your job is to keep me on absorbing and producing, because okay. I don't want to go into the other terms. Yeah. Um, absorbing force, we should be moving away, our body parts, etc. move away from our center of mass. Um, so this is where you see like expansion away with the shoulders, knees, wherever. Um, and we move back in our base of support. So if you think on a squat, as we're lowering down, we're slightly back on our heels mm -hmm. the opposite for producing force when we're producing force things move towards the center of our mass so knees swing in arms swing in and we move towards the front of our base of support and when we boil it down it's easy to look it's probably best to understand like real simple human movement so let's think about a throw a throw our arms move away from our center of mass. Mm. We load up, we absorb force through the back. We're towards the back of our base of support. Mm -hmm. And then when we produce force, we move in towards our center of mass mm. and then forward in our base of support. Simple. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yep. So that's a throw. It obviously becomes a little bit more complex when you start doing things like pull-ups, etc. Um, harder for us to think about our base of support, our center of mass and so on. But I promise you, it is all the same thing. And, and the members, you know, they don't need to understand how a pull-up relates to this concept. But the two main things that the members can learn from this concept or can help them is that people generally fall into two categories. You're either an absorber or a producer. What do you think you are? Oh. Or naturally, I mean, not now you've trained because you have trained a lot. Yeah. Do you want me to help you out? I've a lot on my feet as well. Yeah. Thing. What, I, you, you've watched me lift a lot. Yeah, I'd say you're a producer naturally, but right. you've done really well to learn to absorb things. Mm -hmm. So things like that weightlifting coach saying to you, mate, you can't just dive bomb into the squat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's teach. He's balancing you out as an athlete by teaching you to lower down and control and absorb. And absorb exactly. Yeah. So I think probably when you started, you had a good squat. Generally, people who absorb a good squats. Yeah, sorry, generally people who produce good squats. It was natural to me after years of rugby. And your squat probably was quite fast on the way down mm -hmm. and quite fast on the way up. Um, the other category of per person is myself. I'm an absorber. Generally, like when I first started squatting, really slow and controlled on the way down. I'm trying to absorb as much as I can. 
and I'm really slowing the child on the way out right. because I can't produce force. Well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so obviously in a sport like CrossFit and in general, really, we want to be good at both mm. unless we've got a specified sport. So for example, lots of specific athletes can benefit from being one or the other mm. runners, for example, are really good at absorbing. They should be, they need to absorb because they're constantly pounding, for example, the pavement or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they should lean slightly towards absorbing and less towards producing. They still need to be able to produce force, but not as much. Uh, definitely sprinters because it's like, Oh yeah, exactly. I, I shouldn't a have long played, distance yeah. runner might be more of an exactly, like a plodder. You've got absorb, it. Absorb, exactly. Absorb. Sorry. When I was talking about runners there, I was talking about endurance runners and that's what yeah. a, a sprinter is the opposite. They want to be leaning towards production yeah. and very little absorption. Yeah. So yes, if you're in a specific sport, we're not in a specific sport. We've got CrossFit. We need to be good at everything. Or we want to be fit. Yeah, we want to be fit for life. Yeah. So being balanced across absorption and production is useful. Yeah, and I really like the concept here that you can think about where you might be stronger and where you might be lacking. Yeah, as you just said there, like if you struggle with the like the absorption and the lowering of movements, mm -hmm. then that's where you need to spend more of your time versus the like concentric exactly the speed so that was why i thought this was a good podcast is useful for the members because if you can identify that gen you know you're not going to be one or the other you'll probably be generally you know balanced but you'll probably lean to one side and if you can identify whether you're a producer or an absorber you can then train the other relevant property so for example tara she's a producer all day long she's got flat feet everything's internally rotated she loves pronating She's really glued to the ground, brilliant squatter, super fast on the way up. Mm. You know, she had to do a similar journey to what sounds like you had to. She had to do tempo squats. She had to pause in the bottom. She had to take her time because, you know, eventually she ended up with a knee injury because she didn't heed the advice. She smashed into the bottom all the time, you know. And so I just had Caitlin there, was in open gym. Um, she's been having a little bit of knee trouble. She's another producer. And, you know, she got some really good advice from Jack to slow down her squat on the way down, take time. And by the way, this is going to make your squats feel awful because you're not moving. You'll feel weaker. Yeah, weaker. Yeah, because you're not moving how your body's set up to. But over time, if you practice those things, you can become more balanced. Yeah, that's why I said you don't need to worry about the end result of your squat right now because yeah. it's the function of what that's producing for you. Because the squat is a strength exercise. Like you wonder at max is negligible, really. Yeah. If the output of the squat the purpose of the squat is to make you a better lifter and athlete then it's about strength absorption and all of those qualities you've just spoken about not how heavy is your one max. exactly yeah and then um so the opposite opposite side of the fence is someone like me or someone like Lorna for example so we're good good absorbers you know we um uh are slower down in a squat for example um maybe struggle a little bit with that end range not very good at producing at the bottom so what we need to do is try and some this is something i talked about with with lorna quite a bit it was like try and do everything as fast as possible on the way up and absorbers always trying to absorb energy so when they hit the bottom they're going to stand up just as much as they need to to stand up the weight rather than speed speed actually helps an absorber to produce force yeah, yeah. And to train it, we want to do things that allow us to produce a lot of force, i.e. throws, jumps, bounds. I was going to say power and speed work. Exactly. Yeah. And ideally from a concentric only position. So that would be something like a seated box jump. Yeah. 
or a seated squat jump or something where I'm actually starting with no kneeling yoke. Yeah. No yield whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, no absorption. I'm just bang straight from the bottom. Um, and so being, uh, aware of who you are and what category you fall into can help inform your training decisions mm. and also can help you think like if maybe, for example, if something's going wrong, how we maybe need to adjust it or even how to just get better. For example, my back squat reached the ceiling, you know, a decent ceiling. It was like, you know, 170 odd. So it's quite a decent back squat. But because I was lowering down slowly to the um, bottom position, my back squat was like not really relevant to squat clean or um, front squat or anything that we do in Olympic lifting, thrusters, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, in CrossFit. Um, where we need more speed out of the bottom. So I had to completely rebuild, try and focus on that concentric portion. It doesn't mean I don't absorb, but I need to kind of let the brakes off a little bit and mm -hmm. allow myself to get into the bottom and then think about how I actually stand up maximally. Mm -hmm. um, and when you start training these qualities, lo and behold, back squat goes up, clean goes up, snatch goes up, etc. Um, yeah. What, so looking at your sort of past, could you sort of pick through, you know, you probably came in a producer, got coached to absorb a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think maybe I went too far into absorption and like aerobic, um, mm. because I had the knee injury, but that was back in like 2014. Um, and I was doing a lot of squatting, uh, like a squat cycle mm. as part of the competitive program I was on. So it wasn't a random one. It was part of that, that program, but I ended up getting a knee injury. And it's when I first saw, um, James Jowsey for like movement help. And I got a lot of like lunges and, and like hip work and things because it was more about alignment and stuff. And then I remember working with my individual coach, Massey, Craig Massey. And a lot of our work was like explosive plyometric work, mm. both for the upper body and the lower body, like kneeling box jumps and things yeah. like that. And, and if anything from a power output wise with like cardio, I could like go for days aerobically, but like short power, I wouldn't be able to produce as much and I also wouldn't be able to maintain it for very long. So mm. like that kind of became the focus. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely had like an up and down with it. I think, yeah. as you said, from rugby, I definitely came in as more of a producer. Yeah. And then everything with CrossFit kind of like was teaching me to absorb. To absorb. And, um, and, and I, I like, I, like, I think absorbing gets a bad name because producing sounds so sexy, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I'm a fast squatter and I produce yeah, yeah. force. But absorbing, by the way, is how you produce bigger. So if you're just a producer, you're not going to lift that well because yeah. you need that fight. Like think about throwing a ball. You need that wind up to give you that stretch ready to then throw as hard as possible. And a good example, guys, of a balanced lifter is, is obviously Jack. You know, he performs at a really good level because he can do both. Mm. He's a really good absorber. He absorbs well. You know, his back squat is slow and controlled up to around the knee. And then when he hits the bottom, speed he's got that power yeah. and he can he can push into the floor yeah it's like building an aerobic base while then still working on your anaerobic speed because then you're, you're able to produce both like you've got the fifth gear when you need it but you've got a great base underneath you like a great engine but you're not like topping out and running out of juice yeah um there are two chains in the body without getting again too into the weeds um there are two chains in the body. You've got one chain that's designed for absorbing force and one that's designed for producing force. Um, and there are particular muscle groups that help with one or the other. For example, glute med is an absorbing force, uh, absor absorbing muscle. 
same as like the spinal erectors, you know, these muscles are designed to help you absorb. And then you have other muscles that are more producing forces. So parts, I don't like boiling it down to muscle groups because parts of each muscle, like say, for example, the glutes, mm. there's more, there's, it's, it's a group of muscles. Mm -hmm. The quads are a group of muscles. So mm -hmm. parts of the quad produce, parts of the quad absorb yeah. and so on. Same with the hamstrings. So this is why, yes, for example, we'll say when we're doing Romanian deadlifts that we need to try and feel for our hamstrings. We do, but it's not only the hamstrings that are used in the RDL. You know, no, it's the no. chain of muscles that produce force, absorb on the way down and produce on the way up. Mm. Um, so when we talk about muscle groups, there are probably key ones for each side. So that's another useful thing for members to think about. Like if, for example, you're a massive producer and signs of that are you've got flat feet and you get knee trouble all the time when you squat and so on and so forth, you dive bomb everything, you know, that is why the glute meat is such a important muscle for squatting because mm -hmm. it stops you from dying in the bottom and knees caving in towards the center and hurting hurting yourself so mm. that's why that like two or three year period glute mean was like the sexiest muscle on the planet and everybody had to do booty band warm-ups every time they squatted you know yeah that booty band warm-up for example is useless for me i've got a really strong glute mean i'm i'm good at yielding and load i probably need to do something more like train my adductors which is going to bring yeah. me in towards the center yeah and train your quads more i think that's it's useful to know where you're weaker on these things so that you can add in maybe some like accessory work that's going to be really helpful because like so for example, my power clean and my deadlift were, used to be really weak and they still are weaker in comparison to my squatting movements because my hamstrings and those muscle groups weren't as strong mm. in relation to my quads, um, which is another sign of like knee pain. You know, as you said, like mm. it's more about producing a yeah. force rather than like the eccentric lowering. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of my, my personalized work was on hamstring work and a lot of my personalized work was on lat work for like that same reason, like really good at pushing, not very great at pulling. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, when you know that, you know, like if, if you're losing a deadlift because you're, you know, your back is rounding and you're, you're pulling it too much through your back and you're not using your legs as much, it's like doing loads and loads of deadlifts might not help you, yeah. but doing like sets of bench hamstring curls, like three sets of 12 before each session over time, that's going to be a massive improvement in your deadlift. Yeah. And, and similar, like, if, okay, if you're struggling pushing out the squat and you do some like sissy squats against the wall or some like, you know, more quad dominant work. Yeah even if it's just three sets of eight with one exercise that you do a few times a week, yeah. it's going to make a massive difference and it's not a great deal of time. Yeah. So like, love that. It's just mate. Sorry. I'm, I'm probably over talking now, but I, I, I love the hamstring example. So if you're an absorber and you need to work on production through your hamstrings, then you're going to want to do a curl type thing. Yeah. But if you're a yield, uh, sorry, if you're a producer and you can't lower down a deadlift without your back hurting, for example, then you might want to do a Nordic hamstring curl where yeah. you're yielding under the load and you're absorbing weight on the way down. Yeah, yeah that's your how you train the two. Much more specifically, yeah. which is very helpful. So and the good thing about you knowing all this, Matt, sorry to go across, but yeah. like if somebody in the gyms were to come to a coach and say, I'm struggling with this movement, and then they're like, well, let's have a look. And then you can isolate that part. You've got personalized accessory work right there. Yeah. And, and all the coaches are trained on this. They understand human movement and we do a lot of discussion about it. And by the way, it's not, even though it's simplified, it's not simple. So we might, we might not get it right, but we can definitely help you improve one side or the other. And, and that's probably going to help you in whatever you're trying to perform in. So yeah, just some quick ones here just to finish. So if you're a producer, maybe think about 
um, controlling your eccentrics, doing some tempos, pauses in the bottoms. Um, when you're building up, control is important. And train muscle groups that allow you to yield or absorb force. Warm muscle, warm up muscles that push away from your center of mass. Be aware of being too far forward in your base of support when absorbing, because if you're too far forward, you will not be able to absorb very well. Uh, on the other hand, if you're an absorber, uh, move weights as fast as you can on the way up. Work on speed of concentric contraction. Train muscle groups that allow you to produce force and bring your body parts in towards your center of mass. Um, be aware of being too far backward when you're producing force, uh, too far back in your base of support. Um, yeah, quite a technical one. Hope you enjoyed it, guys, and you took something away from it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I took a lot away from it. I enjoyed it, it as well. It's good. Um, we're back next week, um, or not next week, sorry, in two weeks' time for our seventh instalment, two to go. Uh, hope you enjoyed the movement uh, series. Send any questions through, Yeah, you know, that we can bring on. That's it. All right, guys, thank you very much. Cool. Cheers.